How you doing, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the John Riley Project. This is a podcast all about really life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But we like to talk about it within the context of what's going on here in my community in San Diego County. We're going to review some of the some of the late breaking headlines that are happening here in San Diego. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the live stream. Um, and, you know, by the way, you can participate in the live stream. You know, you can get involved in the community forum. Just type your thoughts and comments on the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved. So here's the agenda for today. We're going to talk about La Jolla independence, which I think is a very interesting topic. You know, La Jolla this is talking about breaking away from San Diego. So I want to talk about that topic. We're going to, the second issue we're going to get into is something in my hometown of Poway. There's a lot of controversy with this uh, project called The Farm and the expansion of a fitness center there. And there's a lot of interesting angles to this as it pertains to a lot of the similar concerns we're seeing in neighborhoods all throughout San Diego County about development, about people opposed to development, et cetera. So we'll use that as an example and we'll break that one down. And then the third issue that we're going to talk about today is uh, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria declaring Juneteenth a paid holiday for the city of San Diego, which hint, hint, I think that's a good thing. And we're going to break all that down. So again, we welcome your thoughts and comments. Get involved in the live stream on the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved here, but let's let's jump in. Oh, and by the way, before we jump in, I just want to put this out there, is that if you are interested in sponsoring an episode, let's say you said, hey, hey, Riley, I'd li- I like you to cover these topics here in San Diego County. These are some issues that are going on that I think they need more exposure. I invite you to do so. Just, you know, go on my website, johnreillyproject.com and send me an email um, on one of the forms on the contact page. Or, yeah, just send me an email directly to john at johnreillyproject.com. I'll get it. And uh, I'll, I'm happy to consider your thoughts and input on, on future episodes. And if you want to sponsor it, that would be terrific, too. And if you want to go down that path, we can discuss it. Okay, so La Jolla... You know, the uh, the jewel right there on the coast of uh, San Diego is talking about independence. They're talking about breaking away from the city of San Diego. And I, I think this is just a really interesting topic for a lot of different angles to this. Now, first of all, when I moved to San Diego, it was in 1982 and I was a student at UC San Diego which, by the way, our, we were in La Jolla, you know, and in fact, our, our address was La Jolla, California, 92037. I had always assumed that La Jolla was its own city, you know, not only by the fact that we had our own address that said La Jolla, California, but on top of that, you know, La Jolla is a pretty famous place and everyone kind of knows what La Jolla is, or many people do. And so it was just a natural assumption that I thought it was already a city. And then, you know, as I learn more about San Diego and all these different neighborhoods, Pacific Beach, Ocean Beach, Mission Valley, um, Tierra Santa, Claremont, University City, Mira Mesa, normally in a lot of other parts of the world, you would think of those also as individual cities. 
but they're not. They, uh, it's all part of this giant geomass of a, of a city of San Diego, which geographically has got to be one of the larger cities in America, if not in California. It's enormous from a geographic perspective. Um, and then, you know, I kind of figured it out eventually, you know, that each one of these neighborhoods in San Diego kind of had their own zip code. You know, La Jolla was 92037 and then San, uh, Pacific Beach was 92109 and Mission Valley was 92108. And you start to kind of figure these things out. And then. Then what was also interesting, because I'm kind of a zip code freak, I've learned all these things just being in the world of direct marketing, that all the city of San Diego zip codes start with 921. You know, if you are in a 920 zip code, like I'm in Poway, 92064, that's outside the county. And then there are some zip codes here in San Diego County that start with 919. They're typically in the South Bay or way the heck out in the extreme East County area. And... Those aren't San Diego either. Every zip code that starts with 921 is in San Diego. But there are two exceptions. La Jolla, which is 92037, and Coronado, which is 92118. And Coronado is not part of San Diego. So, again, I, you know, when I'm coming from the Bay Area, I, I try to explain this to my parents, you know, because it was confusing to them. Um, and I said, you know, it's kind of like in San Francisco where there's a Richmond district, there's a Sunset district. There are all these neighborhoods in a big city of San Francisco. And then, oh, by the way, I think most of them have kind of their own zip codes. Um, but at any rate, that kind of started to make a little bit more sense. But it just seems that each of these neighborhoods in San Diego have a much, how should I say, their identity is a lot stronger than a lot of those neighborhoods in San Francisco and the way they're partitioned and everything. I just find the whole thing fascinating. Um, So why does La Jolla want independence? Why do they want to break away from San Diego? Why do they want to secede? Um, And I think apparently this has been going on for a very long time. Apparently, La Jolla has gone through multiple iterations of trying to break away. And it's on one level, you kind of make sense. I mean, there's a lot of wealth, obviously, in La Jolla. There's a lot of tourist attractions in La Jolla. La Jolla is very different than a lot of the other communities in San Diego. And I would imagine that a lot of the movers and shakers in La Jolla, a lot of the old money in La Jolla, probably take a lot of pride in being La Jollians and therefore want to have their own city. So they're not mixed up with the riffraff of the rest of San Diego. I'm sure that's a driving reason. I haven't heard someone articulate it that way. You know, of course, they're trying to spin it by saying, oh, it's actually better for San Diego that we break apart. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, the the property tax income from La Jolla has got to be enormous. Um, But, you know, I'd imagine also that the people in La Jolla want to be able to have greater control over their local community and their local resources and um, public facilities. So that makes sense on that level. But I I think we're going to learn more about it. Now, the story is, is that this effort, this time, they're a lot more organized And this is more than just kind of fleeting talk, that there's actually a serious effort in La Jolla to do this. What do I think? You know, I have sort of mixed feelings about it. 
you know, of course, this podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And frankly, if you're declaring independence, that's liberty, you know. So on one level, I kind of like this idea of La Jolla breaking away and becoming their own thing because then they'll have, like I said, more control over what happens in their city. Now, here I live in the city of Poway, and Poway has is its own legit city, and it has a city council, and we have local officials that can make decisions about what goes on in, in Poway. And that's powerful. I mean, Poway was unincorporated and became a city in 1980. But our neighbors next door in Rancho Bernardo and our other neighbors in, in Rancho Penasquitos, they're part of San Diego. And they do not have direct control over their neighborhoods. They can make, they have a lot of committees, advisory committees and planning boards, and they ultimately make recommendations to the city of San Diego. And then the city of San Diego makes the decisions. And a lot of times their wants, needs, and desires are not listened to. Well, frankly, that happens in a city where you have representation, like here in Poway. There are a lot of people that argue the same thing. Their their wants, needs, and desires are not being listened to either. But it does make sense at that level that you want to be able to have local control. Um, I I get that. Um, I mean, frankly, that's why the United States was created is to have self-rule and to have independence from England. And so we can manage our own affairs on this side of the Atlantic. So how does this work? I mean, how do you declare independence? I mean, you, they don't have a civil war. You know, you don't just plant a flag and say we're independent. There's a process for this. And apparently um, a formal proposal has to be submitted to the San Diego Local Agency Formation Commission, which helps communities become incorporated. And that petition supporting incorporation has to be signed by at least 25% of the local registered voters. So they've got to get 25% of the people in La Jolla to agree to this just to have it considered. Okay, that kind of makes sense. I mean, you don't want to have like a, a 2% of, of La Jolla, you know, basically speaking for the other 98 and, and getting this secession, you want to have a significant mass, a critical mass of people that want to support this. And this is just to get it to be officially considered. Then it has to go to um, an, an organization called LAFCO, L-A-F-C-O. And I, I wish I would have um, written down what the, those initials are for. But apparently this is a California commission that they've created a process for cities to break away. So there's a standardized methodology of doing it. So um, they have to approve it. And then this is the key part here that I think is pretty tricky, is that the public in La Jolla have to have a majority vote to secede, which you would expect. But the majority of San Diego also has to have has to vote to let La Jolla leave. So, and apparently that's always the sticking point that, you know, this LAFCO um, regulatory body that sort of manages these things, apparently there hasn't been any secessions in the last 40 years in California since they set up this process, mostly because the bigger, older city doesn't want to vote to let the little guy break away. 
I mean, the little guy wants to break away. They could probably get the votes, but it, but the big city doesn't. And honestly, I don't think San Diego, if they had their druthers, would vote to let La Jolla go um, because probably because they know there's so much tax revenue that comes from La Jolla, I mean, property tax specifically. And, you know, I mean, they people take pride in, in La Jolla as being part of San Diego as well. I mean – that guy live in Poway, and I like to visit La Jolla from time to time, and it is truly a remarkable um, location, not a city. It's not a city yet. Um, but will that happen? I, I can see La Jolla's voting to secede, but can you see San Diegans voting to allow it to happen? See, I don't. I, I, th- I think that's going to be a very difficult ask. Now – Let's talk a little more broadly about this whole concept, because first of all, we've seen other cities like Poway incorporate, and that's a lot easier. Like if you are in, if you are not a city, if you're just sort of a town that's in the unincorporated land that's managed by the county, you know, a town like Ramona, a town like Julian, a town like Pine Valley, you know, these are all unincorporated parts of San Diego County, which, by the way, also happen to have their own zip codes. Um, and they are ultimately managed by the County Board of Supervisors. The sheriff is is what polices those areas rather than having their own city police. And some some of those towns have voted to incorporate like Poway did in 1980. There, you don't need to get approval from the county to do it, at least a majority of the county to vote to let you incorporate. Just the people in that town can vote and they can break away. And, San, and Poway did that. And in fact, Lemon Grove did that. But now Lemon Grove is going through so many financial challenges, they're considering folding back into the city of San Diego because of – sales tax revenue and property tax revenue. They just can't keep it up. They can't keep the city municipality going from a financial perspective. So keep an eye on that one. Um, But look, think even more broadly about this, because this is a topic that's being discussed nationally. Have you heard this concept about a national divorce? I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene was just talking about this, the wackadoodle congresswoman from uh, Georgia. And there's a lot of movement in this category, and it's been – it was originally there was chirping about it from our right-wing friends, but now you're hearing our left-wing friends saying, yeah, let's do it, and essentially saying that America is too divided. We got red states and blue states. We got Republicans and Democrats, and there is this culture war, and there's this disagreement about how to manage society, and there's disagreement about what the function and role of government should be. So the United States should break apart. The United States should become multiple nations. What do you think of that idea? And, and by the way, we'll take your thoughts and comments on the live stream. To me, that's it, it's, it's like a fantasy idea. Because how would you split up the nation? I mean, especially given that the more Democratic states are on the coasts and the more Republican states, generally speaking, are in the middle of the country. And you would have a geographically non-contiguous nation for whoever the Democrats were able to, to hang on to. And could you even have a, a, break, a breaking apart in a way 
that wasn't just so utterly massively chaotic and certainly didn't involve a war. That's why some people call it a a divorce rather than a civil war, because they think, you know, we could just split up. Now, what's interesting is, and going back to La Jolla, in in California, we have this thing called no-fault divorce, where a person can declare divorce or, or, you know, file for divorce, and you don't need the other party to agree to it. But in the case of La Jolla and divorcing from San Diego, you would need both sides to agree to it. So I, I think the whole thing is interesting. Now, speaking for myself, as an independent voter, if America split in two, where would I go? You know, would I go, would I stay in a blue state? Would I go to a red state? And, and then how difficult would it be to move around America if America was divided? You know, something tells me that the red states would probably build a wall, <laughs> just like they want a wall on the southern border. Um, well, frankly, the Democrats, Biden is expanding the border wall right now. Maybe the Democrats would build walls around their blue states. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how this goes. Oh, and by the way, have you ever seen the movie um, The Man in the High Castle on Amazon Prime? It's a really it's not a movie. It's a series. And it's really, really good. And it's it's the and this is kind of along these same ideas. It's it's about an alternative reality after World War II where America loses and the Germans take over the eastern portion of the United States and the Japanese take over the western portion of the United States. And there's a little bit of a neutral zone somewhere around Colorado. Um, and uh, and that's how they split it up. And then apparently there, there were Americans who were trying to rebuild America and get the other guys out and, and kind of rejoin all the all the 50 states. Well, Maybe back then it was only 48. Um, but I just think a lot of this is interesting. Now, one of the things that I think is is really great um, about, let's just take, for example, the European Union, where they have, you know, obviously a, a wide array of different nations, but they all kind of function with similar rules. They have similar money. You can drive your car through from from nation to nation to nation without having to go through border checkpoints and visas and all of that. They make travel easy. They make business easy. I like that. Uh, to me, that's a very valuable thing. But if America split up, I'm not so sure it would be that easy. Um, my sense is is that that the blue states would want to sanction the red states because of their violations on the environment or on labor and there'll be sanctions and blockades and, and the red states are going to probably want to build walls to keep the the blue people from coming into the red states so um now thankfully at the local level in la jolla we won't have any of that um and that's a good thing you know, because traveling among cities should be easy. I wish we had the same thing here, frankly, in, the, in, in North America. I would like to see, you know, a more easy flow of, of people, of information, of business through, across these borders from U.S. to Canada, U.S. to Mexico, and so on. I think we'd be a lot better off. And, and then we would honestly be supporting these ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not just for us, but for everybody else, too. Um, but, you know, this whole thing has obviously been a big part of 
what's happened around the world and, and you know in human history there's always this balkanization countries that want to break apart i mean czechoslovakia was split into two yugoslavia has been split up in pieces now in the uk the scots want to break apart again i i have mixed feelings about this because on one level i support their desire for independence and local control but on the other hand when you have this sort of balkanization, especially when it's tribal, especially when it's based on ethnicity, hey, we want a nation for our tribe and you can have your nation for your tribe. Um, that, that to me is, uh, I think, more negative than positive because it just reinforces divisiveness. It reinforces, you know, us versus them, and it and it reinforces conflict. I mean, I, and that's one of the proposals being discussed, obviously in in Israel, right, of a two state solution. And on one level, you think that would be good; it would provide peace. Hopefully, you know, every both sides would get what they need. But in the end, I don't know if that's necessarily a solution there either, <laughs> um, because both sides really want all of it. Um, so. At any rate, I, I just find this whole topic of La Jolla having independence to me to be very fascinating. I'm curious to see where this goes. My hunch is it won't happen because it's too difficult to get it to happen. There would have to be some some breaking news would have to occur in La Jolla that the San Diegans would vote to say good riddance. And I don't think they're prepared to do that, but we'll find out for sure. Okay, so that's uh, La Jolla Independence. I'm going to be following the story on the John Riley Project and look forward to your thoughts and comments. Again, if you got a thought or an idea, drop it in the live chat and we'll get you involved. Um, Okay, I got two more topics. We're going to talk about the Poway and the farm in Poway and some of the changes in the project there. And then we're going to talk a bit about San Diego and Juneteenth, which I think is a really great topic as well. Uh, But before we do, I just want to give you a heads up. Um, I do, this is my, my own podcast, John Riley Project, but I do a second podcast and it's with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, you know, the legendary sports talk radio host, the legendary play-by-play man of the San Diego Chargers and USC Trojans and Arizona State Sun Devils and Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, Hacksaw. We uh, do a podcast every Thursday, live stream every Thursday at three right here in this studio. Um, And then we also get together almost every Monday at three. So we do it twice a week. So if you want to check out Sports-related content, we're talking a lot about Sweet 16, Padres Spring Training. If you you love sports, check it out. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, wherever you get your podcasts, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on YouTube. And then you can get more information at LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Um, that's a, it's just a real thrill for me to, to kind of do that with him. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I've been listening to him on the radio for decades and now we're co-hosting a podcast together, which is just so terrific. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on. And let's talk about this Lifetime Fitness Center that is potentially coming to Poway. Now, this has created a whole bunch of community feedback, pushback, arguments here in my hometown of Poway. And 
a lot of this is due to there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, but let's let's let me tee it up this way. The farm in Poway is a project that was approved by voters in 2020, I believe. Um, they, it was previously the Stone Ridge Country Club. It was a golf course um, and it had some community facilities and tennis courts there, but it was old. The golf course was having, you know, as golf was prior to COVID, really declining participation. Um, they were having declining revenues. They were having higher expenses because the cost of water to keep that golf course going. And then a guy came in named Michael Schlesinger, bought the property. He wanted to convert it to housing. And people in Poway said, no, you can't do that uh, because there is a rule. There is a zoning regulation that that property is is only for open space recreational. That's why it's a golf course. Um, and so in order to change the zoning regulations in Poway, in that particular parcel, he had to go to the voters in 2017. And Michael Schlesinger proposed a plan to convert it to housing in 2017, and it lost, largely due to the fact that people didn't like Michael Schlesinger because he had done this in Escondido and had done some very underhanded tactics there that really upset a lot of the locals. San Diegans got whiff of this. And they decided to shut it down. They decided to vote no on that in 2017. Well, then coming into 2020, a local Powegian, Kevin McNamara, came on board. Uh, Kevin is a longtime Poway guy, a longtime Poway commercial real estate guy. And he worked out a deal with Michael Schlesinger that he would take essentially the driver's seat in driving this project. And Kevin McNamara would be the guy that Powegians could trust, trust to make sure that this development is something that is reflective of the values of Poway. Kevin McNamara had great support from a lot of the um, the leadership in Poway, from city council in Poway. Kevin McNamara really promoted the heck out of a plan. He brought a ballot petition to the voters in 2020, and it passed. And it was approved. And by the way, Kevin McNamara came on my podcast. If you want to go back in time, I think it was episode 100 when Kevin McNamara joined me online and broke down this whole project of the farm. You want to go check it out. It's like a three hour podcast. It was remarkable. And so this was approved by the voters. And, it, you know, it got a lot of pushback, a lot of feedback. And, and uh, already I see uh, um, Pete Neal is already chiming in on the live stream. He's checking it out on Facebook and in YouTube. Um, but anyways, Kevin McNamara got it to pass. And they started redeveloping that land not too long ago. You know, about, I don't know, maybe about a year or so ago, they they finally started grading the land. They started bringing out the bulldozers and reshaping the earth. And then all of a sudden they're starting to build all these houses. And the locals that lived along that golf course are still angry about it. You know, many of them, not all of them. There was a lot of people there that supported the change because the golf course had gone fallow prior. Many of the locals, they were still angry about it. Then, oh, my God, with all these rains and the shifting um, uh, drainage issues, some people's homes got flooded. <laughs> In fact, one of the families who was probably one of the most vocal opponents to this project, her house got flooded, um, which was, you know, made her even angrier. But at any rate, the voters voted for it. It was approved. And now it um, development has been happening. Now, when 
now as part of this plan, they had a lot of very, you know, nice community feature, uh, uh, features. There was to be a, uh, a butterfly farm on the farm. There was supposed to be a, a produce market at the farm. They were going to grow produce. There were going to be a flower farm there as well. There was going to be a um, a restaurant slash uh, happy hour slash bistro kind of a place yet to be defined. There was supposed to be a fitness center. They had a couple of other commercial ideas. I think they had a uh, a hall that could be rented for community events and also like a very small little amphitheater that was tucked away there. There was a lot of open space and trails um, that was going to be surrounding this area. So, you know, there was going to be houses built, you know, and, and in these days, houses are built close together, but a lot of other portions of the property were going to be open space, recreational and commercial. And so the locals generally accepted this reality that this was going to happen, that, that, that this development was ongoing. They understood that it went to a vote and the vote lost. Or actually, the vote won. The, the, the vote won to do this development. The people that were against it lost. Well, now things have changed. And this is where everyone's going kind of crazy. So I want to break this down because they want to take that fitness center there and massively expand it. And this is causing a lot of friction around our community here in Poway for a lot of different reasons. Now, one of the main reasons is, is that when Kevin McNamara sold the project to the people, in fact, he said so right on my, my podcast, that whatever is approved by the voters will not change. He was adamant about that, that there would be no changes. But as you get into a project, there are changes. And, you know, so I, I knew that there was going to be probably some adjustment, you know, as they start doing the construction, there would have to be obviously maybe adjustments of lots and maybe the street might turn a little bit different. But now there's a, a, a tremendously different plan that's being proposed for this fitness center that has really gotten people upset, basically accusing Kevin McNamara of lying. And that's where it gets angry here because we have a we have a certain contingent of anti-growth, anti-development, you could say NIMBYs in Poway that didn't want this project to occur at all. They And, and interestingly, um, they're the ones that are generally upset about a lot of the development on Poway Road. And then they get angry. How come there's no development up in North Poway? And you know, this particular project is in North Poway. But they were against that, too. But they had accepted the reality that it was going to be built. But now, since there are changes, now they're getting upset again. So there are some highlights in this article from the uh, Poway um, chieftain, the PomeradoNews.com, that I want to talk about. So Lifetime Fitness is a, a corporation. That's their brand name, Lifetime Fitness. And they're putting it together, this plan, because it was originally going to be like a little 3,000 square foot kind of a local yokel uh, workout place for the people that lived in that community. Well, now we're talking about bringing in a national brand that's going to have fitness club memberships, and it's going to be like a 24-hour fitness kind of a place. I don't know if it's going to be actually 24 hours, but it's going to be like a full-on big-time fitness club. But they were still going to maintain the cafe and the bistro, and they were going to offer cardio and strength training and studio classes and all kinds of things that you would expect from a, a full-on legit fitness center. And 
The center would also feature outdoor activities, including swimming areas and space for six pickleball courts or three tennis courts. Now, notice the word is or. It was pickleball courts or tennis courts. Now, I want to take a tangent on this topic for uh, right now. So the original country club there, the Stone Ridge Country Club, had tennis courts. It was an old school kind of a country club, golf and tennis. And there were a lot of people that used those tennis courts that were members of that tennis club. Now, I don't know how many is a lot, but I happen to know one person Actually, two people I know here in Poway that were part of that. It was like a ladies tennis group, and they were they were big supporters and advocates of the tennis club at the old Stone Ridge course. And so when this was being proposed, this whole development, that was one of the big objections in the very early stages. Hey, what are you going to do with the tennis courts? We want our tennis courts. And it was always said, don't worry, there's going to be tennis courts. We're going to include them in the plan. Well, when the, when the whole thing got blown up, a lot of those tennis players went down to the Arbolitos Tennis Club. Um, and apparently a lot of them are happy being there. But, you know, if you live on this part of town, it's you got to take a little bit of a drive. It's probably not that big of a deal. But at any rate, these people got displaced and, and they, they were hoping to have golf, uh, tennis there for them. Well, a lot has changed between 2017 and now or even 2020 and now. It's this thing called pickleball that is just exploding across the country. It is extremely popular, especially with seniors, because, you know, it's like a miniaturized version of tennis and it's a lot easier to play. So, you don't. I mean, playing legit tennis, you've got to be pretty darn good to have like, you know, a good rally in tennis. But, you know, pickleball is kind of like a bigger version of ping pong and it's outdoors and it, it's very community friendly in terms of participation and, and activity. Now, granted, it makes a lot of noise. And I know people that live nearby don't like pickleball. But um, as a result, there's been a degradation of participation in tennis. In fact, tennis uh, facilities around the country are seeing a decline in participation, a decline in membership. You know, just like golf was going through this sort of thing, um, you know, right after the, you know, the Great Recession is when golf really took a hit. So these sports, you know, they kind of wane in popularity. They go up and down. So now they're saying six pickleball courts or three tennis because it was going to be both. And I thought it was going to be even more than that. But if they're going to expand this club to be a lot bigger, I mean, it takes up more space. So you can't have as many of these courts. So there is a change right there. Um, and so it turns out that the fitness center plans are more than 10 times the size of the original proposal that was approved by the voters. The, re- the original fitness center was to be 2,953 square feet and would take up all the, I'm sorry, the new, the new center would take up all of the 30,500 square feet approved by voters for the open space recreation project. So they had this big open space recreation project. Now it's all indoors in this fitness center. So again, it's different than what was approved by the voters. But according to Bob Manis, the city's director of development services, um, he said that the, the new expected total amount of space that would be used by lifetime, along with the other proposed recreational facilities, would be 49,000 feet, 49,000 square feet. That's incredible. I mean, it's a huge difference. So um, 
It's this increase in square footage that allowed Lifetime to propose the concept for their bigger, higher-end fitness center instead of an almost 3,000-square-foot center that was originally um, part of the 2020 vote. So basically, when they considered a larger footprint, making this a bigger facility, it becomes a more attractive opportunity for these corporate fitness centers to come in and monetize it. Because you're not going to get like a 24-hour fitness to roll in and try to make a 3,000 square foot club like the new next thing. They're not going to touch it. It's just going to be a little local yokel club. But now that it's bigger, now we can get a, uh, I guess, a name brand in there. And that's what Kevin McNamara is trying to do. So um, according to Council Member Barry Leonard, Poway City Council Member Barry Leonard is District 2, and this is in his district. And he said he largely supports the project, but he had concerns about how close the Lifetime Fitness Center would be to the residents and the farm. Yeah, that's a fair point because the building is bigger, so it might be closer. Um, and there were other objections as well. I mean, uh, Brian Pepin, um, who we had talked about in our last week's podcast, we talked about Brian Pepin. He says he would like to see some changes to the design of the fitness center. Okay. Um, he says it's important. This is a quote from Brian Pepin. It's important to me that it looks more like Poway. So I hope that um, to hope to see and uh, to see that improve even more. That's an interesting comment. I mean, what does look like Poway mean? <laughs> uh, I want it to look more like Poway. Um, I mean, Poway is going through all of these changes right now. I mean, what is Poway supposed? To, what does it look like? Um, you know, does it look like the new um, uh, apartment buildings that are right there on the corner of Terrascan and po- Poway Road? Or does it look like the condos that are being built on the Poway Commons? I mean, what does Poway look like? And and then on top of it, I know I kind of have sort of a objection to, I mean, it's one thing for the city council to approve the project or not, but is it appropriate for the city council to be approving the architecture of the project? I have a problem with that. I mean, to me, that's a private property thing. That's something that should be left to the, to the individual property owner or their or, or the the architect that they hire to plan something, um, but you know the city council wants to try to micromanage it, but they don't necessarily always micromanage it uh, the way that most people want them to. That's for sure. Um, now going further with this, Ron Lewis, who is a Poway resident, he was disappointed that the project might not include tennis courts. That's what I was just talking about earlier. He says it had been confirmed before and after the November 2020 vote on the project, there would be between six and eight courts courts built, between six and eight tennis courts. Now the proposal is, what do we say? Let's go back to find it. Yeah, it's three tennis courts or six pickleball courts. So this is a really a, a shrinkage of those outdoor courts and an expansion of this fitness center. Um, And he went on to say, my request to the city council is very simple. Have the developer build what was proposed to the voters of Poway and approved by the voters of Poway. Well, how can you argue with that? I mean, if, if the voters approved it, it should be what the voters approved, right? Now, we can debate whether or not the voters should be the ones approving this in the first place, which I generally don't think they should. But 
the fact is that's the reality that exists. The voters approved it. And the leader of the project, Kevin McNamara, was very insistent that there would be no changes. What the voters approved is what it will be. Because a lot of people had doubts that, oh, they're just going to pass it. And then once it's passed, they're going to change everything. Now, I know in a lot of cases, a lot of categories, this plan is generally rolling out as was approved by the voters. But there are some exceptions. This is one of the exceptions. There's some other exceptions with some of the nuances of the homes and the lots. I, like I said, I kind of expected that as they started grading and they started doing construction, you would expect there would be a couple of deviations. But this is a fundamentally different thing if they're going to expand this fitness center. Um, and then Kevin McNamara actually appeared at one of the city council meetings and talked about it. And he said, we have a nice community, but we don't have great retail and we don't have great restaurants. Lifetime's offering us greatness, and I thought that was worth it. <laughs> That's a really loaded topic quite, or a com- comment there. Okay, is Poway a nice community? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, there's no utopia, but Poway generally is a pretty good place. Um, we don't have great retail in Poway. Is that true? Hmm. Pretty much true. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, you know, there's been some changes and some things to get excited about in Poway where retail is improving a bit. But for the most part, retail in Poway is a step down from retail in other parts of the county. I mean, that's why a lot of people do a lot of retail shopping in Carmel Mountain Ranch, because there's a lot of better options. Now, granted, I don't know if Poway would want to have a Carmel Mountain Road right through the center of Poway. But then again, some might argue that that's what we kind of have with Poway Road. But at any rate, is the retail in Poway great? I would say no. So McNamara has a point there. And then he goes on, we don't have great restaurants. Well, generally speaking, that's true too. But there have been some positive developments there. There have been newer restaurants that are going in that I think we can get a bit excited about that are a lot better. But, you know, by no means is this going to be like downtown San Diego or La Jolla, where you're going to have a lot of, you know, Michelin five-star restaurants or anything like that, or anything even close. So that, to me, was one of the aspects of the farm that I found so interesting is besides the fact that it was going to be more housing to address the housing crisis and to transform a, um, a fallow golf course into something that's productive, but at the same time, There was going to be a place there where, you know, there would be another food option, maybe a place to go for Friday happy hour. And it was not too far from where I live. And I thought, hey, that's not a bad idea. Now, is that what we're going to get? I I don't know how much the retail in this particular facility isn't going to be like, you know, having a, a big box retailer or a lot of specialty boutique stores. I think it's going to be like a bistro, a coffee shop. There might be a restaurant. Maybe it serves some beers. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a place that serves like hamburgers and tacos or if it's going to be a place that has sit-down meals, family-oriented, or is it going to be kind of a little bit more upscale? I don't know. I've seen some of the ideas. Kevin shared with me one of his ideas. Um, and he was borrowing some of the concepts of a restaurant that was developed in Arizona. And I, th- I th- he shared with me that plan 
gosh, six, nine months ago. It looked pretty interesting, but is that what's going in? Maybe not. I mean, if this fitness center is greatly expanding. So is this fitness center going to bring greatness to Poway? Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, according to one other person that was came before the city council, his name's Sterling Miles. He said he's moving to the farm with his family this summer. And he said, lifetime complements the farm and the farm complements Poway. And you're all going to benefit from this. I hope to as well with my family. The most important thing to me is community and lifetime brings it. Now, <laughs> bringing this guy in, he's a, he hasn't even moved into the farm yet. I'm sure Kevin probably found him probably legitimately enthusiastic about the project. But he, I'm sure Kevin's trying to bring in some of his supporters to kind of back his line of thinking. But what's going to ultimately happen is, is that you're going to have, for lack of a better term, the equivalent of like a 24-hour fitness center. So what does that mean? Well, that means that it's going to be bigger. There's going to be a lot more people there. Probably it's going to be people that are not just living in the farm or maybe not just living in Poway, but they're probably going to be drawing people from the greater area. I mean, especially in Rancho Bernardo, there used to be a Choose Fitness that was right there next to Vaughn's and they closed like about a year ago. I used to go there. Um, So all of those customers have been displaced. Many of them are going to 24-Hour Fitness in Escondido or they're going down to LA Fitness on Poway Road. But I would imagine a lot of other people are going to be driving into this community to go to this fitness center. Now, of course, the fitness center loves that. There's probably not anywhere near enough memberships they're going to get from the people in the farm to really make that a viable business venture. They're going to have to get a lot of memberships from people that live outside the farm, people that live probably outside of Poway. Rancho Bernardo residents, maybe even Escondido, maybe even Rancho Penasquitos or 4S. So what that means is more traffic. And then that's what gets a lot of the NIMBYs in town kind of all up in a, in a hissy fit. Oh, my God. Have you seen the traffic study? What are they going to be doing? Have you seen um, is it going to how much pollution is this going to be damaging our environment by having more cars driving in? So you see a lot of these objections that are based on traffic, based on environment, the same objections you hear in almost every project that is being considered for development in San Diego County. Ultimately, they don't want the project to go in at all, but they will instead point to the environment, point to traffic. And sure, they don't want impact on environment. They don't want impact on traffic, but really they don't want the project at all. And so That's what we're seeing now. So you've got cases here in Poway where there are people that in Poway have feel like they've been burned by the city council, that they feel like they've been burned by all the development that went down on Poway Road. And there's a sense by some people in Poway that development has no limits, that there are open floodgates and a lot of developers were spending money in our local election in 2020. We are in 2022. We went over that in detail. And there are a lot of development projects happening all throughout Poway for housing. In some cases, a little bit of commercial. There's more, actually a lot more commercial development going up in the business park. But this fitness center is an interesting thing. Now, um, 
there's a couple other comments here. And I, Pete, I'll get to your comments in just a moment. Um, McNamara went on to say, the building of the butterfly farm and the education center, along with 14 acres of flower fields, is currently underway. McNamara said, the restaurants and social area space will be cut back by 10,000 feet. So I think a lot of people saw the, the butterfly farm very skeptically. They thought, oh, this is just a promotional gimmick. It's never really going to happen but McNamara is determined to do that, and I think he's going to pull it through. Apparently, he's getting the, there's a butterfly farm that was in Encinitas, and I think he's kind of moving a lot of their resources out here to Poway. Um, but yeah, the op- the restaurant and open space is going to be reduced by ten thousand feet to make way for this thirty thousand square foot fitness center. And I would imagine there's going to be a lot more parking that's going to be necessary too. And McNamara went on to say, a tennis court would not be built if Lifetime fails to receive approval from the city council, adding that pickleball has increased in popularity. Okay. That makes sense because pickleball is popular. Tennis is less popular. The people that play tennis at Stone Ridge have been displaced and they're already playing tennis somewhere else like at the Rancho Arbolito Swim and Tennis Club or someplace else. But McNamara also said there would be no changes. And here is a change. So that's that's the thing is that the a lot of people in Poway, certainly it's a minority, but a vocal minority, feel burned by the city council, feel burned by Kevin McNamara, that he hasn't followed through on what he said he promised. So to me, this is all fascinating. Um, interested in what you think. Um, got a comment here from Pete. Let's get Pete involved here. And uh, Pete says, I believe that it comes down to freeway accessibility. Poway is just over the line to be considered freeway close. Yeah, but then people that are going to come to the fitness center mostly would not use that freeway. They would be driving in from Seven Oaks, from Poway, from Carmel Mountain, maybe, from Westwood, and then go under the freeway. I don't think people are going to be commuting from Scripps Ranch or from San Marcos to come to this fitness club in Poway. So I don't think the freeway is that big of a deal. Now, just as an aside, I always am amazed that Poway has an auto row on Poway Road that is like at least three miles, if not five miles away from the 15 freeway. That to me is mind blowing. But Poway's found a way to make that work. And those businesses, they're they're thriving in their own way. I mean, it's certainly it's not like a Kearney Mesa um, or a mere a Mission Valley kind of a auto mall, but they're thriving in their own way. So, you know, from my perspective, here's my angle on this. Now, do I have an objection to lifetime fitness going into the farm? No, I don't. Um, in fact, I was a member of Choose and having this go in its place, that would be maybe convenient for me. Now, apparently it's expensive. People are sharing that it's like 200 bucks a month or something. Is that right? Really? Is that right? If that's true, it's going to be like a really high-end foo-foo club. If that's the case, I won't be interested. 
I was going to choose for like 10 bucks a month. It was a sweet deal. Maybe that's why they went out of business in Rancho Bernardo. Um, but do I have an objection to lifetime fitness going into the farm? No, I don't. I mean, but I, I understand the point that the promise was made and now this is a different they, – they, it's, it's a bit of a bait and switch. It's a change when the promise was no changes. So I think people that are objecting to this are righteously objecting. Now, granted, I think they're just looking for something to object to because I think most of the people that are objecting to the fitness club, a lot of them don't even live near the, the farm in Poway at all. They're just just finding another opportunity where it's like a violation of democracy, essentially. And that's what they're really angry about. Now, granted, of course, there are certainly going to be some people in the former Stone Ridge Country Club neighborhoods that are probably going to be angry about it. But, but they're, I'll bet you money, they're the same people that were probably angry about the farm going in in the first place. Change is hard. <laughs> it really is. People don't like change. Um, people just want things the way they've always been. I like change. Maybe I'm the exception here. I like progress. I saw land that was unproductive, that was a, a, a golf course that was dying, a golf course that went dead, a golf course that went fallow. Some people say that and think it's a blessing to have open space. I don't necessarily see it that way. I see that as a resource that is not productive. And I think transforming that area into housing is good for the people that buy the houses. It's good for the property values for everyone that lives in this area. It's good to solve part of the housing crisis. Now, granted, the housing crisis is a problem at many tiers of the housing marketplace. These homes are all over a million dollars, but we have a housing crisis in the middle and the low end too. But more supply, more inventory helps relieve pressure, and that cascades throughout the whole housing market. So building more homes is good for the housing crisis. And, oh, by the way, you know, there's going to be some some amenities here that will be appealing to people not only in the farm, but people that live outside the farm. And to me, that was interesting, too. So I've generally been supportive. I, I just thought it was ridiculous that it had to go to a public vote in the first place. I mean, if you own the land and you want to convert it from a golf course to housing, I mean, that should be your right. <laughs> you own the land, you know, and, and you're just building more housing. Now, granted, I know a lot of people bought houses there, many of them with their backyard right up on the country club. And for them, that was probably like a lifetime goal to have a home on a golf course. The things change. You know, a lot of people here in Poway 40 years ago wanted to have a house on a ranch and look at the, the hills on the outskirts of their ranch. And now there's housing everywhere. I mean, human civilization keeps growing, keeps building, keeps moving. Um, and I, 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 I'm generally supportive of that progress and that change. But there's a lot of people that aren't. So what do you think? Um, let me know your thoughts and comments in the live stream. Okay. Um, I got one more topic I want to get to, and it's it's about Juneteenth. But before we do, um, just a couple of comments on John Riley Project. So uh, 
you know, here we are. We're doing the live stream. We started at 12 noon today. I'm very happy about that. I want to keep doing this every Wednesday at 12 noon. That's my goal. Um, and then if I can sneak in bonus podcasts on Tuesdays and Fridays, that'd be wonderful. I'm already doing two podcasts a week with Hacksaw. I want to keep to my one a week on John Riley Project and hopefully more. And then, you know, every time I do these podcasts, I break them into little pieces, little video clips and put those out on YouTube and share those on social media. It just takes a lot of effort and I'm happy to do it. Just sometimes I run out of time. I mean, I've got clients and family and a lot of other things going on. But anyways, I'm happy I'm here today and I'm going to really, really prioritize this to be here Wednesdays at noon. And if I can get in extras, that'll be bonus. Um, if you want to learn more about the project, John Riley Project, you can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. All of our podcast episodes, blog articles are all there. Um, if you want to connect on social media, I have another website, connectwithjohnny.com. If you go to connectwithjohnny.com, there you can sign up on our mailing list. You can follow on social media. Um, you can also get access to all the audio-only platforms where you can subscribe there as well. So get involved. And then, by the way, if you're interested, I also have a couple of e-commerce sites. One's PowayStore.com, where I have a bunch of Poway merchandise, T-shirts and mugs and, and some fun things there, as well as some blog articles on some of the top restaurants and things to do in Poway. And then I have another website called Happiness76.com, which sells products and swag that's consistent with the whole idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is often one of the themes that I weave in to my podcast as appropriate, because those are sort of the the higher ideals, the aspirational ideas of the podcast. And I like to stay focused there as well, because that's the point of view that I think I like to bring to this when we talk about current events, current news. Okay, let's, um, let's move on. We're going to now talk about Juneteenth. And I just saw this news, and I think this is really cool. So Mayor Todd Gloria, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria, has declared that Juneteenth is going to be a paid holiday. Now, many of you might be saying, what in the hell is Juneteenth? (laughs) And 30 years ago, I was saying the same thing. I didn't know what Juneteenth was. I learned about Juneteenth in the 90s. And especially after the George Floyd protests, we learned more about Juneteenth. And in my opinion, Juneteenth is like the second Independence Day of America. Okay, let's break this down. And I'll just, I'm going to quote from what Todd Gloria had to share when he made this announcement. And Gloria said, The official acknowledgement and recognition of this significant day, Juneteenth, in American history is an important step for the city of San Diego. The ending of slavery is a pivotal moment that should be honored and celebrated. And Todd Gloria goes on to say, I encourage San Diegans to set aside time on Juneteenth to reflect on our country's history, including the parts that are painful, and to help us work towards designing a more equitable future without systemic racism. On June, And here's the history of Juneteenth. On June 19th, 1865, Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, and announced to over 250,000 enslaved black people that they were free by executive decree two years after the U.S. government had declared them freed, which was the Emancipation Proclamation. And and so Todd Gloria tweeted this out, and I, I think this is awesome. Um, 
Juneteenth is is typically celebrated on the 19th of June, but I think you know, they might move it to the Monday or Friday because of the way they do holidays for paid days off. But this is something that, you know, used to be that was only known amongst people in the black community. Now, I don't want to make this about equity and racial issues. We can go there if you want to talk about that. But the main point of this is, is that Juneteenth is a second Independence Day for America. This was the day that all the slaves were officially freed, or at least they learned that they were free. Two years after, they were actually set free. But it took so long. You know, when he gave the Emancipation Proclamation Address, where was he? Was he in Pennsylvania or Virginia? It was somewhere, you know, near Washington, D.C. It took, he didn't have the internet. You didn't really have telephones then. It took a long time for that news to travel. And as the news traveled south, there was resistance to having that message spread. And by the time you get all the way down to Galveston, Texas, in the southern part of Texas, they were the last ones to hear about it. But it was that at that moment that officially all the slaves were freed. And that is something that we should celebrate in America. And especially, you know, we say this is the land of the free, the home of the brave. I talk about this as our nation was declared, you know, in the Declaration of Independence, that we all have inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That doesn't just mean me. It doesn't just mean you. It means them too. And those guys over there, it means all of us have the right to our own life, the right of liberty, essentially the right to choose how we live our life, and the right to live our life according to our own values, or one might say the life to pers- the, the right to pursue our happiness. And we all are created equal in this, from this point of view. Essentially, we all have equal rights. Now, I'm of the opinion that if this message were more properly understood by people throughout America, frankly, by people all around the world, that we all have equal rights to our own life, that that would break down a lot of the racism, a lot of the friction, a lot of the divisiveness in society, where it's no longer us versus them. But, that, but instead, it's about, I protect my rights and I'll help protect your rights to live your life as you see fit. Very powerful. Um, so when Juneteenth occurred, the remnants of slavery were finally extinguished in America. <laughs> okay, there, there's, there's some exceptions, but, we, but primarily the, the slavery of blacks was eradicated finally on Juneteenth. And it's a day that should be celebrated not just by the black community, but in my opinion, by all of America. If we had a better understanding of Juneteenth, I don't think Franklin Delano Roosevelt would have put Japanese Americans in internment camps or German Americans in internment camps or Italian Americans in internment camps. These were American citizens that had either Japanese, German or Italian heritage, but were U.S. citizens and they were rounded up and thrown in internment camps. That is a blight on 
our history. I mean, slavery, of course, the ultimate sin, but this, that, th- those internment camps were a blight as well. I don't think that would have happened if we had properly understood this whole concept of that we all have equal rights. And that's what makes America special. And that Japanese American citizens are just as American as English American citizens and Irish American citizens. And I think that's important to understand. So I was really happy to see that. Got a comment here on the live stream from Pete. Pete's always a good guy. He's always watching the podcast. What do you have to say here, Pete? He says, uh, I think celebrate is the wrong descriptor. I feel that recognition of a milestone would be a better fit. Okay. I agree. Um, you first have to recognize the value of the milestone before you can celebrate it, right? So it's like Independence Day. I mean, the core idea of Independence Day is that we're recognizing the fact that the United States declared its independence from England and that we wanted to have self-rule, rule by we the people. And we wanted to build a nation that was built around these ideas of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which, by the way, they got the ideas right, but they hadn't fully implemented it throughout society. That's why slavery still existed, a direct contradiction to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But eventually, America worked it out, and it's still working it out. So recognizing the milestones, I agree with you, Pete, that's the primary. But then like on the 4th of July, we also celebrate it and there's fireworks and there's family barbecues and there's a lot of other things that go on. And I know within the, within the black community, a lot of Juneteenth events are celebrations, are festivals. I'd like to see more of that, but not just a black only thing, like an American thing with red, white, and blue and apple pie and a lot of other elements that, you know, from, you know, things that would be warmly embraced by people of all ethnicities. By, well, we, we named a few, Blacks, Japanese, Germans, Italians, having that kind of, you know, melting pot idea that America is the place you can come to be free. America is the land of opportunity. America is the land of of independence. And I think that's appropriate. Oh, Matt Brannigan is on the live stream. Happy to see him here too. He says, commemorate and celebrate. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm hopeful that Juneteenth will become a national holiday. You know, America, generally speaking, has very few national holidays or at least national holidays that are recognized as paid holidays. Um, Other nations seem to have a lot more vacation time and that sort of thing. And there are certain months where there are no holidays. You ever notice that? Like from, it used to be from New Year's to Memorial Day, there was, there were no holidays. Then they had that, but they still had Abraham Lincoln and Washington's birthday that were mostly celebrated. I remember we used to get those both those days off for school, February 11th and February 22nd. But then later on, they consolidated those into one. And then there are a lot of employers that don't even give President's Day off at all. And there were companies, like one company I worked for in the 90s, there were no paid holidays between January 1st and Memorial Day at the end of May. Well, Martin Luther King became a bigger holiday 
That's a good thing. That's in January. But, you know, there, there really is no major paid holiday in June, is there? So why not Juneteenth? I mean, we've got major holidays, you know, in terms of paid holidays in January, in February, in May, in July, in September, mostly October, and then definitely November and December, but not June. So that kind of works out nice from a scheduling perspective. But more importantly, it it means something. It's it's the second Independence Day of America. So, you know, I'm not a big Todd Gloria fan by any means, but... I think that's a good thing that he did. Now, will we expect other cities in San Diego County to do the same? Oh, I'm sure some will. Uh, Some will follow the city of San Diego's lead. Will the city of Poway be one of those? I really doubt it. Um, I really doubt that. But who knows? I might be surprised at some point. Uh, Maybe in the future, there might be different elected leaders that might have a different point of view. Uh, But I'm really happy to see that. So, okay, we've been going an hour and eight minutes. So we covered... The La Jolla secession, or actually La Jolla independence, right? Um, We covered the farm in Poway and the expansion of the Lifetime Fitness Center. And we talked quite a bit about Juneteenth. And here's another comment from Matt Brannigan. He says, it's a company holiday where I work this year. The Monday is the holiday. The actual Juneteenth day is Saturday. Yeah, because Juneteenth which is kind of a silly name, but that's probably goes back to dialect and a lot of other cultural issues where it was called Juneteenth. But technically it's the 19th of June. And yeah, if, if it lands on a Saturday, it's celebrated on Monday. And I noticed that too, that there are some companies that are beginning to recognize it a lot, especially after the, the George Floyd incident. And yeah, so they'll do it on the Monday, but that's kind of, well, actually, you know, what's interesting is most holidays, they do that. They'll bump it till the Friday. I'm, I'm sorry, till the Monday. They don't do Friday holidays anymore, except the day after Thanksgiving. Um, but July 4th, they never move to a Monday. It's always July 4th, Independence Day. But Juneteenth, they're going to move it to a Monday. You know, that's, that's a lesser issue. Should it be on the 19th? Well, fact the fact that it's, Name Juneteenth makes it probably less important than because you can't celebrate the 4th of July on the 5th of July. Um, but Juneteenth probably gives you a little latitude. To, there's probably seven or eight days that have a teen in their year uh, in their day. But, yeah, the Monday after makes sense to me. I like that idea. Um, so good on them. OK, so uh, that's the latest here from the John Riley Project. We will. Be coming back at you for sure next Wednesday at 12 noon, live stream it just like we do here. Try to really be diligent on staying on that schedule. Hope to have bonus podcasts when I can on a Tuesday or Friday, but they'll always be straight up 12 noon. I'll do the live stream then. I mean, there's never a perfect time to do the live stream. And I'm going to get my live stream views are going to be very, very modest. But ultimately, this is just an opportunity to share my thoughts and comments get my content out online. And then I, like I say, I take the, the video and I chop it up into pieces. And that's what I present on YouTube. So people can take this in, in little four and five minute segments. And at the same time, the audio only, the full audio only is on my podcast. Um, and all the podcast platforms, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, et cetera. 
and people like to listen to those as their their time and um, availability is ava- uh, you know, when they can when they can, walk, when they can listen when they're walking the dog or taking a walk and and here's another comment from Pete Neal the teenth part lends itself to any day between the thirteenth and nineteenth that's what I was trying to say is that. You, now, granted, I, that might be kind of ignorant for me to say because, you know, uh, but at any rate, if it's called Juneteenth, I think there's a little latitude there. Um, but at any rate, I'm just happy that Mayor Todd Gloria has declared it a paid holiday. And I like to see at minimum, it should be a holiday. At minimum, it should be a holiday that is remembered and commemorated. And then hopefully it's a paid holiday for people that is just as the same as Independence Day, that it's like Independence Day number two, because that's really what it is. All right, friends, this is John Riley Project. It is Wednesday, March 22nd, and it's a little bit, uh, it's one 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 fifteen in the afternoon. Stay dry. Go Aztecs. Got the Sweet 16 on Friday against Alabama. Go Aztecs. Padres are about to start. If you want to check out the sports podcast, look up Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, and we'll, you can check that out as well. All right, friends. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor. Subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.